0: Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Timeless Perspectives. I have with me a very special guest today, Stephanie, all the way from the U.S. Stephanie, how are you doing? Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Yes, I'm good. Thank you for having me as well.
0: So, you know, this is the first time I'm going live at both the places. We have our hello people also here. So many people have joined us. They are are sending us their greetings. So, yeah, Morali, Majidul, Mahesh, hello, everyone. So, how's your experience? like have you done anything like this before where you have two things going at the same time all together?
1: No, I can't say that I have, but there's a first time for everything, and mm-hmm. we're gonna see how it goes, and I'm really excited,
0: yeah, so what are we gonna talk about today?
1: So today, we're going to be talking about how to find and pursue your passion. Mm
0: -hmm. So, you know, like when when we talk about passion, I think passion has multiple manifestations, isn't it? Like different people understand passion quite differently. What is passion according to you?
1: I think passion to me is something that I can't imagine my life without. But Mm -hmm. I think before we kind of go any further, there's an important distinction to make between your passions, your skills, and your talents. I think if you're willing to be disciplined enough and work hard enough, the three will kind of come together for you, Um, but they are different things. Your passion is something that you're really excited about, something that, you know, you could wake up and do every day and you just wouldn't get tired of it. Um, It doesn't mean that it's easy, but it means that you enjoy it. Your skill is something that you can transfer Mm. to working with other people or with yourself. So a skill would be like being a good writer. That's Mm -hmm. a skill that you have. But it could also be a talent. A talent is something that comes easily. A skill isn't. You have to work to improve your skills. Your talent is just kind of something that you are like, oh, okay, I'm good enough at it.
0: Yeah. You're absolutely right. Actually, you know, like that's what my understanding, like I think it's very much in sync with what you have said that passion for me, it always was and is something which energizes me the most, you know? So I always believed that, you know, which doesn't, of course, like we all are human beings and we we do get physically exhausted, but still, you know, like if you don't feel, you know, like that uh, pressure, you know, if things are coming out naturally to you, effortlessly, I think that is very much your passion. Isn't it? What do you think? Yeah,
1: and I think so too. I mean, obviously everybody will have, um, you know, like a a different level Mm. of things that they're interested in because some things, you know, you are like, okay, that's cool. And then some things you get really excited about. But I think for some people that can kind of come in a phase two. Yeah. So don't like... um, don't confine yourself pretty much to one thing because I don't think that's the only way to find fulfillment. And there's actually a really good uh, quote that I wanted to share. Mm-hmm. And this comes from a man named John luc Perit, and he is a language worker and language advocate. And I had the great fortune of actually hearing him speak wow. last month at a workshop I attended. And one of the things he said on the very last day, and this really stood out to me, is don't try to find your happiness in these boxes. And he Mm. gestured around the room and he pointed at all four of the walls. And he said, don't try to find it here. Don't try to find it outside. Don't try to find it in a label. Because if you do, you're never going to be happy. And what he meant by that is, you know, not to say don't enjoy this, don't enjoy being in school, don't enjoy your work, but find things outside of it. And equally balance the weight that you give things. Because I think if you put all of your importance into one thing or one aspect of you know whatever your identity is or whatever your life is, what happens if you lose that? Mm. What happens if you don't have that? What are you going to do? So it's finding ways to kind of spread out the things um or I guess the way that you execute it. I guess that's a better way to say it. Mm. Find and in better ways to execute the things that make you excited.
0: I I fully agree with you, actually, you know, and I feel, unfortunately, a lot of people, they associate their happiness with material things, you know, I mean, yeah, to an extent, I mean, I'm not a believer of the saying that, okay, uh, money is not everything, money doesn't give you happiness. I mean, to an extent, of course, we all need some material comfort we do need you know basic necessities and uh we already know that but at the same time like as you said associating our happiness you know with with something material and then tomorrow when you don't have it because nothing is permanent to be honest uh um, right. yeah so most people you know like i feel the biggest challenge when we talk about passion is a to understand it And B, to actually discover it. I think, you know, like uh, people might say, okay, this is my passion. That is my passion, but not really. So I think there is a huge misconception about passion as a whole. Like, so what do you think? How can people understand passion first of all? Because like before discovering it, you've got to understand what it actually is.
1: i think a passion is just an extended interest like everybody is Mm. interested in something maybe it's Mm -hmm. different for different people um but everyone has something that they like or something Mm -hmm. that they enjoy doing like a hobby Mm. you know one of my hobbies is reading books i also happen to be passionate about reading because it's something that brings me a lot of joy and satisfaction in my life but I think sitting down and like, even if it's making a list of things that interest you, and then kind of thinking, okay, well, is this something that I could, you know, reasonably expect myself to pursue in whatever timeline I have. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing too, don't... um constrict yourself to just one timeline because your life hmm. can change tomorrow and you won't yeah,
0: know yeah <laughs> that is so true actually you know because this and i think some people are complaining that they are unable to hear me guys are you able to hear me now uh on hello because actually the thing is uh we are going live at two different places so yes you might find it a little uncomfortable so like, just let me know if you are still not able to hear me anyways, sorry for the interruptions. As I was saying, uh, it it happens a lot with the people, you know, like just because they are unable to understand what passion actually means to them and uh, they end up making the process of discovering their passion far more difficult. And like, I think what you actually are referring to is the Ikigai method, uh, the Japanese technique or something like where, which helps you find your passion, which also, kind of helps you to uh, earn money, you know, earn a living, or something. Have you heard about the ikigai technique? I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. I'm
1: vaguely familiar with it, but uh, I haven't extensively read about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, like it's it's a similar thing, you know, which you said, like you take a paper and a pencil, you uh, you you make four quadrants or something, and you just in one quadrant you write the things that uh, you know, like that you like to do. Second quadrant, you write the things which you're good at. Third quadrant, you write the things which you can earn money for. And fourth, I guess, is the quadrant where you write what needs to be done for the world. I'm not sure, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so, and then you try to, you know, bring a common match or something, you know, like the, the mixture of first two quadrant are your vocational skills. Last two is your, you know, something which earns you money. Because, you know, what the world needs and what you're good at, what can earn you money and uh, something which falls in all four of these is your passion. I know it's complicated, but then, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's uh, many people have told me that you know, like uh, quite a few famous uh, TED speakers have also referred to this technique, which has helped them discover their passion, actually. Well, like, would you like to share your journey? Like, uh, when was the time when... You were figuring out your passion, understanding yourself, you know, so that self-discovery kind of a phase.
1: I think my path has been, well, some people have described me as being a little bit of a unicorn, um, because <laughs> I <laughs> which is I take that as a compliment. I mean, yeah. who would not want to be a unicorn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I I kind of fell into my passion really early in life. I remember mm-hmm. being 12 and in seventh grade, and I just got really interested in random languages. And in my free time for fun, I would just sit there and I would try to learn these random words that I would never realistically need to know how to say, but I just enjoyed it. I thought Mm. it was fun. And then um, the year later, in eighth grade, when I was 13, I became interested in linguistics again, kind of on accident. Like I was reading some article or something, and I was like, oh, this is a thing that I can do. And then I kind of just um kept reading about it and I was like, this is something I enjoy. This is something that I think I'm good at. You know, why not try to pursue it? Mm. And then um, my first or second year in high school, um, I got a linguistics textbook from Barnes and Noble, and there was a back page that listed all the careers that you could have. Wow. And one of them mm. is being a language documentation yeah. specialist. So you try wow. to preserve all of these dying endangered languages and i just instantly knew that that was what i wanted wow um because mm-hmm. before i found that i thought i wanted to be like a conference interpreter i thought i wanted to do like german translation wow um mm-hmm. then i thought i wanted to like make dictionaries for a living and then that didn't really pan out <laughs> <laughs> um cuz i mean i think that they're cool but realistically i don't think i could sit down for years that it would mm. take to write a full book of words mm. um And then I thought, okay, maybe translating. And then I found that language documenting was really something I was interested in. And Mm. so I spent all this time just researching all of these languages that had very few amounts of speakers. And then um, actually last month I went to a conference like specifically for language documentation called Colang. And it, it completely changed my life. Like I, I know for a fact that this is what I want to do now. Um, Because I think it's really important, and I think that the sense of community is really what brings me to it. Like, when you're um, going with your research team, or if you're working with these people in these tribes or in these communities, you know, you're really coming together over the common good. And um, it's a very, like, I always felt really grateful that when grown-ups would ask me, what do you want to do, I knew that I had an answer. Wow even if i didn't know that like this might be a hundred percent like mm. i didn't know that i would be teaching english at all <laughs> like if you Same. told me three years yes. ago yeah. this is what you're gonna be doing i would have been like Are yeah. you sure about that yeah because i knew it was a path but i kind of mm. thought that it wasn't one that i was gonna take mm. and then again it kind of happened on accident and then i'm like oh this is cool
0: yeah I, um I, I actually have a similar story to share like uh I mean, I've been doing this for, I think, almost four, five years now. And uh, initially, like, I directly started to teach adults, actually. So, (laughs) I mean, like, I, I, I never thought I'm going to do BSL training, to be very honest, but then, like, after completing my high school, I had a one year of drop due to certain circumstances. And then I was completely idle. So that mm. was the phase, actually, when I, I tried my hands on ESL drinks, I was like, you know, first of all, I was very reluctant, you know, I was hesitant also, because I thought, like, why would people want to learn from me? Who am I? I have no, I have no degree. I yeah. don't have any specialization, I don't have an experience. So and that to directly teaching adults, like, why would they? They are professionals, they are grown-ups, they are people who are, you know, often elder to me and they they have a job. So why, you know, there is an elderly ego also in people, Mm -hmm. you know, like why do I want to study from uh, a person who is not experienced enough? But then, you know what, I had all these, you know, pre-assumptions in my mind, I was, you know, I was completely uh, self-critical, but still, you know, just because I wanted to pass my time, I was, you know, too idle and I was not liking the fact So I quickly dropped my CVs to a few, uh, you know, uh, English language training institutes in my city offline. And Hmm. um, uh, coincidentally, a few of them, you know, did call me that, okay, you can come and and do a demo or something. So when the, the first day when I went, I was, you won't believe I was super nervous. You know, not for the fact that I don't know what I have to do, but then for the fact that how are people going to react? You know, people whom I'm going to call my students, you know, how are they going to react? So, you know, I, I I just entered the room and you wouldn't believe, you know, it's something, it's really a beautiful flashback that I'm having right now. You know, When I did go to that, you know, and when I opened the room, you won't believe, Stephanie, literally all the students who were sitting there, you know, apparently they thought that I am their classmate. You know, I am I know, <laughs> another English learner who has come to, you know, um, and like learn with them, join them. And when I went to the podium, you know, and when I went towards the uh you know the whiteboard and I just introduced myself that hey I am here to take your class today, I could see every inch of their faces wondering, uh completely you know not sure what how to react. They were unable to figure out actually how should they react you know and but then you won't believe like you know uh, I'm cutting the long story short, um uh, I got an overwhelming response. Like they were very welcoming. They, you know, didn't have that, you know, that ego thing, which I, you know, a few moments ago, which I just said that, okay, I was quite scared. Like, what if they have that ego or something, but then they didn't have it. And uh, the response which I got was really overwhelming and I will forever cherish it actually. So, and then it boosted my confidence as well that, you know, uh, I think people are liking, you know, the way I deal with them and uh, it's better. i Engage in a more informal way, so that would be better. So, yeah. By the way, I'm very curious to know. You know, like I'm sure our audiences might also want to like know about your uh, journey as a linguistics student. I mean, a lot of people are so unfamiliar. You know, when they hear about linguistics, they are not sure what a linguistics student actually does in their uh, course of study. So, would you like to share? Yeah, of course. So, um...
1: there's a very famous linguist named Stephen Krashen, and Mm -hmm. he's known for his uh, research and his work in language acquisition, basically the study of how people learn languages. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think his work is just phenomenal. But he said in a webinar one time that if you're a linguist, you're a member of a fringe lunatic group that makes up 5% of the population. And I don't think anything else is more accurate, because every linguistics major I've met and every linguist that I've met, they're very fun people, but they're also just, just a little bit quirky. Like there's always one (laughs) little fun thing about them that you learn and you're like, oh, that's cool. Um, but linguistics is the study. It's the scientific study of language in all of its forms. So there's, uh, theoretical and applied and all of the branches will kind of fit into those two. So theoretical is like, sounds words uh, sentence structures the patterns of language um, grammar how words change over time accents you know yeah. the study of just language at its basic level um, and then in the applied side that's kind of where you take it and you put it into action so you can study like sociolinguistics how groups of people affect language and how society affects language you can study psycholinguistics language and the mind um and that's very good if you want to be like a
0: speech-language pathologist. Um, that, uh, there is a confusion between, um, it's like something confusing, like, which I also have, between phonetics and linguistics. So since you are a person... Well, that is a it. good
1: question. So phonetics <laughs> is a branch of linguistics. Mm-hmm. But linguistics as a whole encompasses more than just phonetics. So phonetics is the study of speech sounds. Um, notably how they're made and how they're understood and the ways that kind of sound carries. Um, So there's articulatory phonetics, there's acoustic phonetics. Um, There are three branches overall, but basically if you study phonetics, you're studying sounds individually and how they're made and why they're made a certain way. So if you um, study phonetics and you want to Um, Like record how a person says a certain thing. You can find ways to write down each specific sound. So it's very helpful if you're working with people with speech disorders, if you're working with speakers of another language, if you're teaching another language. um, It's very much useful for getting to the micro, like the very fine details of what a sound is.
0: And, uh, and you you were actually right that it's a very scientific process. You know, how did I get to know about this? Uh, I was attending a course on literature at my, my university, actually. And uh, that's where they introduced George Bernard Shaw's novel. I'm not sure if mm. you have heard about it. I'm forgetting the name Pygmalion. Yes. Um, and it's uh, I think it's quite a famous uh, novel, you know, and a must read kind of a thing. So. I would recommend everyone to read Pygmalion because it's really, really amazing. And there actually, the protagonist, the central character is a phonetics um, uh, researcher, actually. And then he takes up the task of uh, improving the pronunciation. And, you know, like um, he kind of does a speech therapy. And, you know, I also saw kind of clips of it where he uses different types of equipments and apparatus uh, to improve uh, the person's speech. So yeah you're actually right so well i mean like, it's a very interesting
1: field for sure
0: yeah indeed i mean so coming to the like i mean like I mean, as we move on with our discussion i mean we have understood what passion actually is and you know it's something which can do effortlessly which comes naturally to you which energizes you and as you said which at the same time also uh, gets you a good job or something which uh, gets you a living so uh, people find it hard to be consistent at their uh, passion you know like because i think there's an element of discipline involved in it what do you think about it why do you think it's hard for people to kind of follow their passion
1: Oh well, it's so much easier said than done. Um, <laughs> like the 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 thing that you know kind of dawned upon me eventually is I can not do something. Like I cannot read, I cannot mm-hmm. write, I cannot learn languages. Those are all things that I'm I can just not do it. Mm-hmm. I can just say you know what, it's too hard, or it's too this, or it's too that. Mm-hmm. But what's going to happen if I don't? Because when I finally do get back into it, it's going to take me a lot longer than if I just stayed consistent 15 Mm. minutes a day or 30 minutes a day or whatever amount I give myself. Um, And that's not to say that taking breaks is something you should never do. I think breaks Mm. can very much have a value. But I think if you're kind of at a point where you're stagnant, you know, like your life is plateauing, um, just having that small routine can give you A really small sense of accomplishment that you need to do the other things your day with,
0: and I think like it can save you from a. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Oh, you go ahead. I can finish.
0: Yeah, just yeah, I I was just saying that you know, like it makes life much more easier for you. You know, like it's just like saying, okay, I'm passionate for music. I love uh, you know working on my skills. uh, You know, like learning some instrument or something, but then. On the other hand, being too lazy to actually pick up your guitar and actually start playing. And I think that happens a lot, you know. I mean, it happened with me as well, you know, I mean, to be very honest. When I started to write, you know, I mean, writing requires discipline. I think you are very much aware of it. You know, it's, I mean, like, it's not as, you know, n- new thing for you. So when I initially started to write, I, I was quite lazy. You know, I used to write a paragraph and then I used to think, okay, I think that's too much of drilling my brain and too much of brainstorming. I don't want to, you know, like, uh, give further pain to my brain. And, you know, I just used to keep it away. But then slowly and slowly, I realized, you know, that once you lose that trail of thoughts, because, you know, once you're not pouring your thoughts, like when you go into that phase, you know, that zone or something, then uh, actually you uh, do the deep work, you know. And this also kind of reminded me of Cal Newport. I don't know if you've heard about him. He is a um, a, a, a writer, actually, an author, Cal Newport, and he wrote a book, Deep Work. So that's really a very good book, you know, because it kind of, you know, it kind of reflects on the importance of going deep, you know, do, doing deep work, you know, that's how the name comes, you know, and uh, deep work is only possible after you invest certain minutes into your work that you're doing, you know, and you're not. Um, getting distracted by notifications. So, you don't have that impulse to check uh, your social media feeds uh, again and again, which I think happens with people. And that's the reason I think a lot of legends, they just, you know, disconnect themselves, you know, from, uh, uh, you know, externalities and, you know, the uh, external, you know, distractions and all, and just focus on what they have to do. You know, it may be science, it may be research, it may be anything that they have to do so that they can go really deep. Into that work, and I think that's quite scientific. Also, I mean, I don't know if I'm being, I mean, uh, absolutely correct in terms of terminologies and facts. But uh, I, I, I did uh, uh, see a documentary where they kind of spoke about this fact that when you are actually entirely focused into it, you know, then your entire awareness and consciousness goes into that work, and then you know, it overall improves your efficiency, your productivity, or something. So you can you know, craft better masterpieces, you can, you know, uh, reach that level of efficiency, you know, that, I don't know what to call it, but those peak experiences, you know, if you if we refer to Maslow's theory, uh, so in Maslow's psychological theory, you know, it's a pyramid kind of a thing. So once you reach that focus, you reach the peak experiences, you know, self-actualization or something. So <laughs> I think that's too much of nonsensical science <laughs> being output. But, yeah. So have you ever experienced it like so what, what recommendations I, do you have? Like how to achieve that discipline when following one's passion? Yeah.
1: I have. I mean, I think I've I've done a lot of disciplined work, but I've also done a lot of discipline breaks. And what I mean oh. by a discipline break wow. is um, you know, I like I'll give a more specific example. Mm-hmm. So I got this idea that um like around two or three years ago I was going to write a memoir and a memoir is basically like Mm. a story about a specific time in your life so it's not an autobiography where you Mm. kind of cover everything you pick one thing to focus on and I was like you know what I think that I should do this because I think it would be good for me and I think that maybe it would be good for other people and I think that's kind Mm. that's kind of why I write um and I don't you know have any of my like for fun writing published um all of most of what I do I just kind of do it for myself but the goal eventually would be to help other people Mm -hmm. with it um but I sat down to write this memoir and it was going great for like a solid few months Mm -hmm. and then one day I opened it up and I was like I just I can't do this anymore I need a break from it And so I took a break and I let it sit there and sit there and sit there until I was ready to open it up again. Mm. I opened it up again and I was like, I need to start over because this just isn't what (laughs) I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So then guess what I did again? I took a break Mm. and I kept doing that until I got to something that I was proud of. And you want to know what that something is? Mm -hmm. That something is a blank page. It's a blank page right now because I've realized that you know, in my head, I kind of had this goal. I had this idea that I wanted to do this certain thing, but what if I'm not supposed to do that certain thing? What if it's supposed to be an essay instead? What if it's Mm. supposed to be um, not a memoir? What if it's supposed to be something shorter? What Mm. if it's supposed to be a short story collection? I don't know yet, but um, those ideas, you know, I, I stick to that discipline by thinking about it. I stick to that discipline by writing little bits about it and not trying to go for the entire big piece all at once mm. because it can get really overwhelming when you have this big goal or this big idea yeah. and then you're taking steps and then you get halfway through and you're like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be.
0: Yeah.
1: So I think it's very important to make time for that reflection because I think if you don't do it, you're just going to end up getting lost. Um And thankfully, you know, with that, I can kind of take as much time as I want with it. But um, in terms of other things, I mean, I've gotten, you know, as you said, like, idle. My life has plateaued before. But I think I really needed that to understand what I valued. Because Uh, before I got to that point, you know, I thought, oh, I care about this and I want to do this. And then I ended up doing too much at once. And that's not (laughs) a bad thing. I learned from it. I really got something from all of those experiences, but um, I think giving yourself time to just sit there and do nothing is just as important as doing yeah. something, but yeah. again, having a balance mm. is important, yeah. like what I've been doing really recently is I've been waking, well, I've been trying to wake up early, some days mm-hmm. it doesn't work out, Um, but I've been trying to wake up at six every morning. And I don't have to because, you know, it's summer break. I don't have to like yeah. be at a job at nine o'clock, mm. you know, but I'm training myself yeah. to go to bed at nine and wake up at five every morning.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: my sister was like, why would you want to do that? You don't yeah. have to. And I was like, but I feel like I have to. Mm. And part of the reason why is so that I can manage my time better because when I wake up at six, I'm much sharper than when it's 6 p.m. Yeah, yeah. So part of it is like, okay, I'm getting into this mindset. Mm. I'm setting myself up for what I know is good for me. Mm. So that later in the day, I can do something that is just, you know, more leisurely. Like if I want to go skateboard, I can go skateboard and I don't have to worry about, oh my gosh, I didn't do this thing today. Um, So part of it too, is just about knowing yourself and how you function. But other people can't tell you how to do that for you. A Mm. lot of it is just, you know kind of spending time with yourself and being um, like reflective or introspective or whatever word yeah you want to use and then I just know, kind of like, getting into a rhythm
0: a lot of people are too scared to be reflective I have actually seen it you know they don't want to leave themselves with their own company you know they don't want to uh introspect they um, you know find it I don't know like they find it quite philosophical but I think that reflection is a is a great tool you know but unfortunately people seldom use it but then if you actually use it and if you are honest with yourself as you said you know uh because we all make promises you know maybe to the people to ourselves but then how many of them are we actually fulfilling you know so right. uh, yeah so I think even passion needs commitment you know and I heard this you know like really nice thing by some of you know like some of famous singers actually from uh America itself so she's like said that you know uh, no matter how good you are at, you know, you you think you have got a God-gifted talent, you think, you know, it comes naturally to you, you think that it's your passion, whatever XYZ it is, if you are not disciplined for it, if you are not committed to it, if you're not ready to uh, invest your time and your energy, you know, honestly into it, then uh, unfortunately that passion would not turn into something which can actually make a difference. Uh, to your life right. and probably to others life as well so
1: and um, i mean part of it too is just you can want something more than anyone else in the world but wanting something isn't the same <laughs> as wanting to do something yes you know yes
0: mm-hmm. and you know what uh, because i mean i've been hearing this thing so much these days you know the law of attraction and you know if you desperately uh, want something in your life it's going to manifest it's going to you know uh, universe might conspire and then it would give to you okay you know to an extent i i you know i, I might believe that okay you know yes maybe law of attraction is there and visualization and manifestation happens but at the same time uh desperately wanting something and not actually working to get it i think that doesn't make sense you know like uh i don't buy that idea actually you know that you for example if i just sit here and i imagine 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 I desperately, very desperately, I want that, okay, I want this to happen. I want that, uh, I I want to become good at spoken English. I want to be a good public speaker, but you know what? Until and unless I'm not actually going to invest my time in it and I'm not going to take that pain, you know, I mean, you know, which hypothetically is the cost of uh, trying to learn something new, making it a part of you actually, accumulating that knowledge, then I don't think it's going to be fruitful anyway, you know no matter how desperately I want it. So uh, like, yeah, I mean, I I just want to say that actually about passion. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I understand why the law of attraction is appealing to people, but the reason why I don't, you know, ascribe to it personally is because if I want something, it's on me to go and get it. Mm. You know, I don't believe that the universe is going to give me anything. (laughs) And I don't believe that anyone else in this world is going to give me anything because no one owes me anything. Mm. Not the people I care about, not my parents, not my mm. friends. No one owes me anything. Mm. And I guess I could turn around and say I don't owe anyone anything, but that's another discussion. Mm. But no one has to give me what I want. Mm. I have to give me what I want. Yeah. And, you know, it. that's not saying that, like, I don't have every single thing planned out. I mm. don't. I have some of it. But I don't know what the next 10 years of my life is going to look like. And I think that that's okay. Mm. But I know what direction I want to go in. And I've <clears throat> been taking the steps to get there. And that's the most important part. Like, even if it's not, you know, exactly what other people are doing or what I thought I would be doing. If it's something that, you know, I enjoy and I'm good at it and I get to make the impact that I want for other people. I think that's what's, that's what I prioritize. Um, but you know, if I want something and if you want something, you have to be the one to go get yeah. it for yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean, and
1: that's going to take hard work and you're going to be disappointed. There are going to be times where you're just going to be like, I don't know why I'm doing this and I want to mm. throw my hands up in the air and just be like, okay, that's enough. Mm. But um, if you do that, you have to think about what are you giving up on? And you're it's not, not just right. what you're giving mm. up on. It's, It's what you're not doing for other people, Mm -hmm. you know. I think that a lot of what, you know, um, we're supposed to do or a lot of what we like to do, you know, a lot of every action serves a greater purpose, whether Mm. you realize it or not. So if you're doing something, I think it's great to do things for yourself, but also be aware that your actions will have consequences more than you know Mm. for other people too. Like if you write something someone out there is going to read your words and someone out there is going to take your words away Mm. and you know not everybody is a writer but it just means that it's your responsibility to be aware of your impact and you get to choose what impact you have every day so are you going to do something good with it or are you going to do something bad with it that's up to you
0: Yeah, you're actually right. And, you know, like uh, what I want to actually discuss about a little is uh, planning. I think planning has taken multiple definitions and everyone nowadays is just trying to figure out, Okay, I'm going to have a very concrete five year plan, five year career plan or 10 years life plan. people are, I don't know, people, (laughs) why are, why do we need so much of planning when actually it's a fact and everybody uh, is well aware of it that nothing actually happens according to our plans. You won't believe like life is so uncertain. It is so unpredictable that within an hour or within a day or overnight, all of your plans would be just, thrown into the garbage bin and this has happened with me personally you know i i said now that i used to endorse this idea very much you know i used to think okay you need to be very crystal clear you need to have those plans you need to have on paper you know you need to have it you know you need to get that straight in your head that you need to have a concrete uh path before you which you are going to uh follow you know that's important i used to think that way but then you know what certain incidences happened in my life which just proved, you know, that it is not even certain what's going to happen next hour. You don't even know what's, how your life is going to be within the very next hour. So, you know, just keep on making your, you know, I'm sorry to use the word, but you know, sometimes it looks really dumb, you know, that I'm not Mm -hmm. sure what my life is going to be tomorrow. And I'm, you know I'm being hallucinatory and making (laughs) plans for the next year next five years I I, it has stopped making sense to me actually I mean I don't mean to offend anyone uh Mm. but that's how I mean life has unfolded it before me actually what do you think about it do you yeah I mean Mm -hmm.
1: my life has been kind of similar to that too like Mm. there have been things that have happened you know in my life both good and bad where I just I I had no idea I had no idea that any of it would ever happen. Mm. Um, But, you know, kind of, um, I guess, seeing it from a distance, Mm. I think that, see, when I say I have a plan for my life, I mean that I know what I want, and I know that I'm going to work to get it. I don't know when it's going to happen. Mm. So that timeline is where I allow the uncertainty to stay because there's nothing I can do to change and you tomorrow. have to get it's used going to, it. to happen yeah <laughs> right and it's an uncomfortable feeling it really is because you know there's a lot of pressure from well-meaning people yeah they genuinely do want what's best but sometimes you know and this is very much a collective thing that's kind of um rippled across society if you will where you know you have to have a plan you have to do this are mm. you doing this and it's like Can we just stop for a minute (laughs) and, you know, go like watch some clouds or relax Mm. or something? Because there's more to life than just working. I think the moment moment you tie your identity to your job, I think Mm. you're setting yourself up to be unhappy. And it doesn't mean that you can't find value in it. I find a lot of value in what I do. Hmm. But if you were to ask me, what do you identify as? I would not say I'm an ESL teacher.
0: Yeah, because your life is so much more than that. Yes. Right. I think it's
1: very much impacted my life, but it's not the only thing that is going to be there, you
0: know? And it's like, you know, just comforting yourself, you know, if I have to say that, okay, I'm not focusing on my today. I'm not sure I don't have plans or to do list what I have to do today. But then I'm talking about, okay, you know, Stephanie, next year, I'm planning to move here next year, I'm planning to move there. I have a plan, you know, like that, that's like, you're just confer, you know, com, com, uh, comforting yourself, you know, you're just uh, telling yourself certain things. But life is not going to be like that, you know, and this actually happened, you know, you spoke about being comfortable and being habitual of uncertainty. Uh, Last year, when I was in Hong Kong, you know, when I went there, I had to quarantine myself. I think we have spoken about this previously. Also, I had to quarantine myself for 22 days. And that was I can say one of the most, uh, you know, very uncomfortable experience of my life, you know, because I have never been trapped in a room like that, you know, and then being in a hotel room, although I had every material comfort, you know, which one can imagine of uh, to, to make it smooth, but then still, you know just imagine Where you were what.
1: confined yes
0: I was confined and uh, maybe I was good biologically physiologically I was you know touch wood I was fine but then I psychologically I wasn't free you know psychologically mm-hmm. I wasn't you know I couldn't sense that normalcy I just couldn't sense so yes, yeah, so that was really an eye-opener for me that uncertain and uncomfortable situations are going to come and you have to learn to be at you know peace with yourself during such situations you know so
1: and that's a very difficult Mm. place to get to and it's never going to be
0: Mm. easy
1: and you know I I've I've definitely gotten better at Uh. just you know allowing the uncertainty of my life to just sit and you know there are things that you know you can do and there are things that I've done to kind of try and ease that whether it's like you know a baby step like you know looking for an internship or whatever Mm. it is um but a lot of it comes down to perseverance I think I Mm. think that's really the biggest thing for any part of your life is are you willing to sit through with it Mm. as hard as it's going Mm. to be as you know unfun if Mm. I'm allowed to make that a word (laughs) as unfun as it's going Mm. to be um there's actually a really great quote by Jesse DeRozier, and he's a public public speaker. He does some Mm -hmm. presentations, but he also does a lot of language work. And he said one time, being able to wake up and have a thought about work and gratitude and go to bed with that same thought is how you live. Not part time, not on a Sunday morning, always persevere. And that's something that really stood out to me from his presentation, because you can't just think about what you're grateful for, what you're going to do only a little bit, meaning you can't like think that it's just going to come to you. You have to actively think about it and, you know, it's okay to take a break from that, but I think, you know, the biggest part of what he's getting at is if you don't think about what you have and what you want to have and what you're going to give to other people Mm. that was the biggest thing he emphasized is you can do things for you but what are you going to do for other people that should always be your full-time thinking job I think if that's an appropriate way to phrase it
0: that's Um, so true so Stephanie as we move towards the concluding section of our episode what are your takeaways for all the people who are watching us Stephanie
1: Yes, the biggest thing is, you know, it's okay to think ahead and it's okay to dream a little bit, because I think that's going to be what pushes you forward is letting yourself think about ideas. But, you know, a fancier way of saying work hard, play hard, have disciplined work and have disciplined breaks. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing. And give yourself permission to do that, even if it means you have to say it out loud. because. It's really easy to get caught up in what you should be doing. Yes.
0: Yes. I I fully agree with you. Mm -hmm.
1: And what about you? What are your takeaways?
0: Yeah. Like I think one of the biggest takeaway is, uh, as you said, you know, like you have to you have to be conscious towards life as a whole. Don't uh, identify overly, you know with anything, any aspect of your life and, you know, just thinking that okay, this is only my life. You know, if I have to share just a small uh, incident from my life and I was figuring out my uh, 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 you know, college thing, and a lot of things happen at that point of time and I wasn't able to, you know, figure out course to pursue and all these things uh, I got so much consumed in it but so much consumed in it that I made that just one aspect of my life as my whole life and uh, just because that wasn't fixed I was constantly complaining I became quite toxic you know I became that you know cry baby. <laughs> always you know complaining you know so my mother told me that you know stress, you have to understand first of all you have to calm yourself and you have to acknowledge you have to be grateful that okay, maybe this phase of your life, which is a priority, you know, was a priority at that moment. Okay, maybe it's not getting sorted, but then if you uh, have a broader perspective, a lot of things in your life are already at place, you know, be it your health, be it your parents, be it your relationships, uh, so many other things. So just because one thing is not fixed, don't overly identify yourself with that one thing and, you know, just reach conclusions too quick that okay, my life is not good. So I think, you know, people should learn from it. And as you said, your life is so much big. Your life is, uh, it, it's multifold. <laughs> so keep folding yourself. And um, it also helps in self-discovery. So, yep. Thank you very much, Stephanie, for joining us today. I'm sure this episode is going to be uh, so much, you know, so much fun to hear today. And also, I think, you know, whatever insights we have shared, people would definitely want to you know they would be able to relate to it you know no matter how much someone not want to talk about such things but deep inside I think all of us uh, do you know do the self-talk kind of a thing maybe if not with others with ourselves so see you until next time thank you very much Stephanie. take care bye bye
1: yes thank you so much bye